0: Hey guys, welcome to the Behavior Tech's Anonymous podcast. I am your host, Ms. Ashley, and I'm a Behavior Tech. Let's reinforce some of my behaviors. Hey friends, thank you for joining me for our next meeting of Behavior Tech's Anonymous. It is January 2nd, which is the first Tuesday of the whole brand new new year. So thank you for listening in and making me a part of that. I hope that you guys had a really good year. And I know that in my previous podcasts, I kind of had a thing going where I was kind of, um, just like the last two, just telling you my experiences in different settings. Um, this episode was going to be about, um, being in like a clinical setting, but I'm going to push pause on that one for a minute because, um, I remembered that the BACB has published new updates for incoming RBTs. So um, these updates won't really concern the people who need to be, like, renewed, doing their renewal competencies and stuff. But for your initial competency, they have made some changes in the requirements. Um, It's nothing super crazy, but I think it's worth noting just – by the conversations that i've had with people wanting to become rbts just like on my um, instagram and reddit and stuff but um you are no longer able to just become an rbt just on your own independently starting january 1st so starting like the new year this is the thing now so if you're brand new and you are considering to become an RBT, just keep this in mind, and make sure that you are looking at the correct documentation, and speaking to people who are aware of the update. Um, I'm aware of the update because I actually follow the BACB podcast, and that's kind of where I learned the information. Um, Anyway, so if you haven't looked at the initial competency yet, it's sectioned off into different little things. So I'm just going to read off the sections. It's the Qualified Assessors, Timing, Structure, Administration, Documentation, Instructions, Oversight, Evaluation, blah, 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 and then the Actual Assessment. And the changes happened in the Qualified Assessors section and in the Instructions section. And these sections don't necessarily concern the RBT's Like there's nothing that RBTs need to do for these sections. These sections are for the evaluators to look over and check off, but they're still important to know to make sure that you are getting like a qualified um, person. So anyway, um, to the qualified assessors, so they changed it in the new one. Um, The old one just said qualified assessors. In the new one, it says qualified assessors and relationship expectations. It used to be that the assessor needed to be um, a BCABA or a BCBA with the eight-hour supervision training. Um, They needed to ensure the assessment is conducted in accordance to the requirements. sign the initial competency assessment, maintain records, ensure that the assessment meets quality standards. But the brand-new update that has just gone into effect literally yesterday says that for the initial competency assessment, and honestly, I'm just going to read these word for word so that all the information gets across correctly, Um, so the assessor needs to be employed at the same organization or have a contractual relationship with the applicant and clients involved in the assessment. Um, If the responsible or assistant assessor is a BCABA, their supervisor must also be employed at or have a contractual relationship with the same organization where the clients are receiving services. Um, They need to ensure that the assessment is conducted in accordance with these requirements sign the initial competency, maintain records of all the assessments conducted, and ensure that the assessment meets quality standards even when assistant assessors are involved in conducting the assessment. So again, before all the supervisors needed to do was make sure the um, assessment was done in the right way with the right requirements, um, they needed to make sure they signed it, and keep the records of it. Um, that's it. They also added a the relationship section to the new one, and it says relationship expectations. The responsible assessor, assistant assessors, and RBT applicant must be employed at or have all the same contractual relationship with the same organization. The organization also must be an entity providing services to the client involved in the assessment. If the responsible or assistant assessor is a BCABA, their supervisor must also be employed at all of the contractual relationships the same, yada, yada, yada. Basically everything I just already read to you. Um, this relationship requirement applies to the entire assessment and not just the portions involving the clients. Um, so to me, what that means is that you have to make sure that you're getting certified by somebody who um, works with you. In some kind of aspect, which is a big change um, for a lot of brand new RBTs who I know have just gone out and gotten the, um, the training and the competency done, like on their own, like found their own BCBA and stuff like that. Um, so now we have to make sure that we are working with them, which I think is going to be very interesting because there are a lot of places where they want you to already have your certification and they won't pay for you to get certified or they won't like train you there. So I think that's going to be a very interesting development for future employment for RBTs. So then like that thought also carries down to the other part that they changed under instructions where they just kind of have to mark off that, um, they have the contractual agreement and, um, or work in the same places that you work. Which I know like that stuff doesn't sound like anything um, but I know that that's how a lot of RBTs got their start was doing the free trainings that are online and um, especially through the Autism Partnership Foundation I think. I know that's where a lot of people have said that they got theirs done. Um, I was lucky enough to do mine in the clinic where I first started working. Um, they offered the training there, which was good because when I started out, I was very just, I don't want to say ignorant of the ways, but I was very ignorant of the ways of being an RBT and what it even meant. So they like offered the training there. And I, of course, at the time thought it was just a regular training. I didn't realize it was anything special, but it is. And I know a lot of people try to do it for free before they get the jobs in the clinics and stuff or in the schools or wherever they want to work. And this, I think, is going to be kind of debilitating for new RBTs, especially, as I said before, the places that don't offer the 40-hour training. And I can kind of see it both ways where it's like, okay, you want them to have like a quality assessor, or they want to make sure that um, whoever is assessing you is doing it like for, I don't know, I don't want to say like the right reasons, but um, a lot of BCBAs will charge RBTs in order to get assessed. And I, number one, I thought that was crazy when I first heard that because I cannot imagine trying to do a job and then paying somebody to assess me to tell me that I'm good enough to do that job because it's not just for the initial one. Like some RBTs have to pay BCBAs for like their continual competency assessments and stuff. And that's crazy. I don't make enough money to pay people to tell me I'm doing a good job especially when those people are making three times my salary. That, you know, a lot of RBTs don't even get a salary. It's hourly, but that's neither here nor there. That's a whole other conversation that I could be having right now. But maybe this will encourage, like, clinics and organizations to develop a 40-hour training and invest time in the professional development of RBTs and how, you know, we can be, like, a bigger part of the picture And we can maybe help with the turnover rate because the RBT turnover rate is very high. The burnout for us is very high. And I think it's partly due to us not being taken necessarily seriously when we have a serious job to do and we're just out here floundering about trying to do our best and just being told we're not good enough. So I'm hoping that maybe just like adding that in the competency we'll just do something about that. That's like the golden light for this. Is like it maybe it'll make companies take it more seriously. Which with the other upcoming changes um again this is all on the BACB website. So you could just literally look this up. But there are more changes coming out in the future. Um I mean this one is specifically for Ontario residents but it says that all RBTs and BCABAs who have their certification in Ontario are going to be put on um, a voluntary inactive status. And it also looks like the BCBAs will also lose their behavior analyst status, and this is all due to um, the College of Psychologists of Ontario not holding the same standards that the BACB would like for their behavior analyst program. So on July 1st of 2024, so that's, you know, this year, all of those titles will be stripped and you will be put in inactive status. I don't know what that is going to be looking like. I'm just telling you the information. So good luck with that. Let me know how that goes. And I am really sorry that that is happening because I don't know what I would do if that happened here and to me. Um, some other changes that are coming up for RBT specifically in 2026, non-certified RBT supervisors, um, their roles will be eliminated. And that is like, um, there's like RBT like coordinators and stuff that are able to like supervise like a bunch of different RBT's, um, or just like anybody who has like knowledge of ABA, they have been up to this point able to be supervisors for other RBTs. Now it's saying that you have to be a BCABA or a BCBA to be considered an RBT supervisor. And now we are finally down to the last two updates for the RBT things. So far, these just came out this month. Nope last month in December. Um, So again, this won't happen until 2026, but the RBT eligibility and maintenance requirements are going to be changing. Um, They have revised the core RBT eligibility and maintenance requirements. Um, That includes like the training, the competency assessments, and also they're implementing professional development for RBTs. And the recertification cycles are going to be changing from every year to every two years with the implementation of the professional development. And the professional development is um twelve hours within the span of two years. And as somebody who gets made fun of by their boyfriend for doing professional development for fun, um, 12 hours is nothing. There's I've I've it's the same kind that the BCBAs do, which I'm assuming it's going to be. Um they're really informational. You get to meet a lot of people during these little chats and stuff. Um, it's really cool. I have re- I actually recommend you guys do it now. But anyway, it's going to be a requirement that we do 12 hours of professional development in the two-year renewal cycle. Um, the requirements committee has decided that now more than ever, RBTs must improve upon and learn new skills rather than just focus on their maintenance of entry-level skills. And I think this is because, you know, like anybody can do the basics if they've been in here long enough, but that doesn't mean we're learning and developing. And if we're not learning and developing, our clients are just not going to get the same kind of quality care that they need and also that they deserve. And we deserve to learn and grow and do new things. But anyway... Um, Professional development may be in one or the more following areas. Um, It can be a continuing education event. It has to be authorized continuing education um, and certified from the ACE, which is the authorized continuing (laughs) education providers. The next one is kind of cool. Um, Behavior analytic university courses. You you have to like pass with like a C, you know, because C's get degrees. Um, It has to be from an accredited university, and the documentation that you have to keep for that is a syllabus and transcripts from the university, which could be really cool if you are working towards your degree into being a BCBA or BCABA anyway. Um, I just think that that's just a nice. That's what I would do, honestly. Um, And then the third type is an organization's in-service training related to behavior analytic service delivery um, that does not include training on a specific client's program. So it's not like your supervision. Um, This can be done through uh, BCBA, BCABA, and has to be through the RBTs, like organization, like wherever you work. Um, And the documentation for that, it just says trainer documentation, and that more information will be provided before 2026. And it is important to note that the ongoing RBT supervision stuff, like what we do with like our clients, and supervised field work towards becoming a BCABA or a BCBA does not count towards professional development. So you can only do those three things, continuing education events, um, taking courses, or in-service trainings. And if you can, like even if your organization does offer in-service trainings, I would still try to do... Like the community, like the continuing education events or the courses, only because I just have such a distrust for companies right now. Also, in 2026, if you put yourself in voluntary and active status, when you come back and you're like, okay, I want to be active again, you have to do a reentry competency assessment, um, no matter the length of time that you went inactive. So it used to be, I think you had six months to be inactive before they made you retake it. I can't remember exactly. That's on me. That's my bad. But um, now in 2026, if you go inactive, you have to do a reentry thing no matter the length of time. And you have to do it every single time. So have fun with that because I know that there are a lot of people who go inactive and then come back and then go inactive and then come back. Well, now you're going to have to do that renewal. So anyway. Oh, also... So it used to be, well, sorry, right now, currently, it is $35 for a renewal application. Can you believe that inflation has hit the recertification process? Because now it's going to be $50 every two years after 2026. $50. That's crazy. Like, I get it. Like, they're just, like, trying to keep their money, but still, $50 for a renewal, and then The certification application is $65 like to start off with. And that doesn't include the $45 that you have to pay Pearson for your examination. So brand new RBTs in 2026, be prepared to pay like $110 or something. Something crazy like that. Because that's nuts, right? Like that's that's a lot of money for an entry-level position. But that's just me. I don't like having to pay... For where I work, you know what I mean. Um, what else is different? Oh, there is a new curriculum outline coming out in twenty twenty six. Um, it's just going to require a certain amount of time for the certain subjects that are in the competency stuff. Um, like for like your trainings, like your forty hour trainings and stuff, like so you have to spend at least five hours doing this subject and four hours doing that subject. Um Also nothing really that we can control or really need to worry about. But there is also a change in the supervision requirements coming up. So current RBT certificates must be supervised by a qualified RBT supervisor, um, basically a BCBA, right? For at least 5% of their service hours worked. So that's how it was. Now, um, it has to you know, include the supervisor being at the place that you work, so it can't be like a BCBA that you used to know or like an RBT that you used to work with that became a BCBA, whatever. It can't be anybody that's not somebody that you are currently working with. Um, and it also has to include two face-to-face supervisions with at least one of those taking place in an individual supervision meeting. So it can't be like, well, I'm here to to supervise like this person, this person, and this person. Like at least one of those has to be face-to-face, which I think is pretty cool. I know that I struggled with um, some PCBAs where I would be like doing my telehealth supervision and they would turn off their mic and turn off their camera and I would ask a question and there would be no answer because they weren't there. They got up and they like walked away from the camera and went on like that for a while. And um, I did report them to my boss, and it got taken care of, but I still, like, felt bad doing it. Anyway, so that's cool to face-to-face. Um, I do not know what that will mean for some people who are in-home. I haven't really known BCBAs to go in-home with the RBTs. I know some of them do, but a lot of them are, like, strictly online online. So that's also going to be interesting. I like when little changes happen because I get this little tinge of anxiety and it's like, oh no, what's going to happen? Like I can control any of it anyway. Um, That's pretty much it for the changes. The only other one would be the RBT test content outline because they're going from the second edition to the new third edition in 2026. Um, And it's the same amount of questions for like the initial RBT certification thing. Um, there's just a little bit more here and there. It It's nothing crazy. It's like for data collection and graphing, there used to be 12 questions with a weighted 16%, but now there's going to be 13 questions and it's going to be worth 17% of the final score. That's basically the big... Oh, sorry. Behavior acquisition is the biggest change. Is it used to be 24 with a 32% weight, and now it's 19 questions with a 25% weight. So that's the biggest change. Again, it's not going to affect anybody who is already in RBT, and the people who have not taken the test yet are not going to notice a difference anyway. So that is, I believe, it for right now. If I come across any changes or if I forgot anything, I will let everybody know in the next Podcast episode. Um, again, you can find all this information yourselves on the BACB website. Um, it's really not hard to find at all. You literally just go in there and you just, it's right there for you. And while you're there, you can check out the RBT ethics code. But you don't have to check out 1.10 because I'm about to read it to you. Um, RBTs avoid multiple relationships with clients, coworkers, and supervisors. Multiple relationships occur when there is a mixing of two or more relationships. Examples are friends, family members, employee, employer, blah, blah, blah. Um, That may result in conflicts of interest and risk of harm to the client. If RBTs find that a multiple relationship has developed, they will immediately inform the supervisor and work to resolve it and document these actions. If the multiple relationship involves their supervisor, RBTs should report it to their supervisor's manager or other appropriate entity, like HR, or the BACB, apparently, um, and document this communication. So if you're out there trying to mac on anybody, make sure you (laughs) apparently tell the whole organization that you're doing it. Um, All right. That's it for this meeting of Behavior Text Anonymous. I will see you guys in two Tuesdays, which should be January 5th. No, not 15th, January 16th. Um, Let me know if you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns about anything. Go ahead and send me messages on Instagram or Reddit. I'm on there a lot. Um, There's also the Facebook page that is only for behavior text. So if you want to go on there, get a little solace away from, um, behavior analysts and we just try to support each other on there. It's nothing crazy. Um, go ahead, like share and subscribe to this and I will see you guys in two Tuesdays. Thanks. Bye.